There is not a square inch in the world domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. If you've ever worked in a restaurant kitchen, if you go into the restaurant, there's something that most restaurants have, and that's cards everywhere telling you how to make the recipes. Because different employees come in and out, and they want to, if you go to the restaurant, they want you to be able to get the same kind of dish. You go in and order whatever it is that you like. You want the same number of eggs. You want the batter to be made the same way. You want the chicken to be done the same way. So if you go into a, a kitchen at a restaurant, in a coffee shop, most of the time there are cards everywhere explaining how things work and how things should go. I once worked, when I was working at Starbucks, one of the guys that was kind of the most senior barista working there, he didn't have time for these cards because he was like, I can look at a person as they walk into this coffee shop and figure out what the perfect drink for them is. And so I'm going to modify the drink. And so he, somebody would order a drink and he would add some extra vanilla or he would add a little, an extra shot of something. He would change something about the drink. And I was brand new and didn't really know how this whole thing worked, but I was like, something about that's kind of weird. And then eventually I realized none of the rest of us could do for the customers what he did for customers. You see, like he was a one-man show doing his own thing, and so somebody would come in and say, can you make me the drink that Will made me? And I'm like, Will doesn't tell us anything. Will does whatever Will wants to do. I'm sorry if your tea is made a certain way, but I, I can't really copy that. I, I'm telling you that story because sometimes each of us go through life like Will does, thinking, hey, I know how this is going to work. I know how to do this on my own. I've got the right strategy I'm, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do this. And so we begin to be like one-man shows, living our lives. It could be at work. It could be at home. It could be in a club. It could be an organization. It could be at church where we go, hey, I, I know how things should be done. I'm going to do things the way that I want to do them. But then we end up in those places. Nobody else can copy what we do. We're not really a part of the team. And anybody who comes into contact goes, hey, there's something out of joint here. And I've been wondering about that this week, thinking about that this week, because we're now at the end of the book of Colossians. Months, if not a year ago, I, I said, I, I want to, we're going to be doing a series walking through the book of Colossians. And I dreaded the last sermon in the series. Because it's the end of the letter, and I was like, what do you do with the letter? What do you do with the end of a letter that says, hey, greet so-and-so, say hello to so-and-so, say hello to so-and-so? But what I want to show you today is in the book of Colossians, chapter 4, this ending of it calls to those of us that kind of live in our own bubbles, doing our own things, I can run the show on my own, and I don't need anybody else. Colossians chapter 4 is for, for people like you and me who live in that kind of way and are tempted to this kind of lone ranger, I'll do it my way. I've got a better idea, kind of Christianity. So go ahead and turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, we're going to begin with verse 2. We ended last week with verse 1. Verse 2 is kind of the ending of Paul's letter to this church. It's a church of probably 20 people, 20 or 30 people, living in a city called Colossae. And he writes them this letter, and, it be, and the end of it begins this way. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. 
And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, help me to preach it clearly the way that I ought to. Help us to hear what you have to say to those of us tempted to do it ourselves and to do it our own way. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians chapter 4 is, gonna, is calling us to partner in gospel work because Jesus is supreme. That's the theme of this letter, that Jesus is over all. And so Paul begins walking through and saying, this is what it looks like in this area of your life. This is what it means to take every thought captive to Christ because Jesus is supreme. This is what it means for you to put on a new uniform so that you begin to look more and more and more like Jesus because Jesus is supreme. This is how your relationships change because Jesus is supreme. And then here at the end, he says, will you partner with us? Partner with us in gospel work because Jesus is supreme. I want to show you in these verses three ways that we partner together. Verses two through four call us to pray together because it shows that Jesus is supreme. Pray together with us because it shows that Jesus is supreme. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Oh, I'm sorry, ending there in verse four. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I ought to. What he, he calls them to continue steadfastly in prayer. Paul's like, what is it that I need from you guys? I've called you to, to, I've called you to live with the supremacy of Christ in so many different areas of your life. And he's like, what do I want? Guys, if Jesus is supreme, pray. If Jesus is supreme, then let's pray that Jesus will multiply the ministry that we do. Calling them to be steadfast in it. Don't give up. So you've prayed for a few days. That's not enough. Keep pressing in. Be steadfast day after day praying for this gospel ministry. Will you be watchful? Will you pray looking to discern what is the Spirit of God doing? God, will you be moving In our ministry, Paul says, you can partner with me if you will pray and be watchful in prayer. One of the common themes in Colossians is Paul says that Jesus' supremacy should cause us to be thankful. And so prayers should sound like, thank you, Jesus, for X. And so Paul, then, so Paul says that what kind of prayer, steadfast, watchful, thankful kind of prayer. And then he gets really specific and says, pray for us that God may open a door for our message. He says that the doors have to be opened by God if our message is going to go out. This is Paul, the very best of the apostles. Paul's the one that goes to places where nobody's been before, and he says, if God doesn't open doors, my skills, my abilities, my gifts will make no difference. Will you please pray that I will have open doors because Jesus is the one that has to open those doors. What kind of prayer? He says, pray that we'll have open doors for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. That message is that, he says, pray 
uh, open a door for our message. He uses the word for word, the Bible. Will you pray that there will be an open door for me to speak the Bible, the gospel of God's grace to these people? And if anybody should say, pray that there will be open doors because I can take it from there, it would be Paul. And that's not what he says. This gives hope to people like me, maybe people like you that fumble in sharing the gospel and go, how do I do this? I don't do this very well. Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I ought to. I know that I'm supposed to. I've specialized this. I've, got, I've gotten a, a graduate degree in this, Paul says. But, but on my own, I'm not going to be as clear about this as I ought to be. So pray that I may proclaim the gospel and make it clear. So what does gospel partnership look like if Jesus is supreme? Paul says it starts with steadfast prayer. It starts with steadfast prayer, not steadfast strategies, not steadfast methods, not trying harder. It's people coming before God and saying, God, can you do what only you can do? Can you open doors that you, only you can open? Can you make my mouth clear in a way that I cannot do that? God, God, can you do this? Because this kind of partnership with the, the Christians in Colossae and Paul who's in prison in Rome, that's, that's what gospel partnership looks like. So you're 20 people meeting in a home in a forgotten city far away from any main centers of anything. That's okay. You can partner in gospel work through prayer. That's what Paul calls us to. And so we have a lot in common with the people of Colossae. We know what it's like to have 20 people on a Sunday morning. We know those kinds of things. We know what it's like to be far from the city center where people say, what good kind of thing can come from that little town? We know what that's like. And Paul says, that's the perfect opportunity for you to do great gospel work by being steadfast in prayer. I heard a talk by a, a pastor, professor of evangelism, and he was just kind of sharing. He was like, he was sharing with us. That he's, not, he's a professor of evangelism, but he's like, I'm not real good at it. But I figured if it was important, it was worth doing, even if I did it very badly. But one of the things that he told us is he began to tell us the stories. Some of them, I think, with tears in his eyes. Is he's like, I've prayed for this man's salvation for 30 years every day. And I, I was like, I haven't prayed for anything for 10 years let alone the salvation of somebody. He's like, this man, I prayed for him for 30 years and nothing's changed. I've prayed for this man for 10 years and nothing's changed. I've prayed for this man for 20 years and nothing's changed. But he began to point, he's like, there's an, another guy that I've prayed for for 25 years. And finally the Lord came and changed his heart and saved him out of his darkness. And so I'm not going to give up on the guys that I've been praying for and I've seen nothing happen. I'm not going to give up. And what I realized is that was a man that said, this is important enough that I'm going to be steadfast and I'm going to keep asking. And so some of us come here today with heavy hearts for adult children that have wandered from the Lord. This passage calls the rest of us to pray with you for that. Not just, hey, be steadfast in your own prayer life, but can we begin to partner together and pray for one another's adult children far from the Lord? Can we begin to partner together and not just pray for our own block, which is part of what we ask people to do here in our church, but say, can I pray for Kyle and Cheyenne's block? Can I pray for Stacy's block? Not just my block. I want to be steadfast and watchful and thankful praying for open doors and clear mouths for this mystery, this secret now revealed to us which is Jesus.
Will we begin to to partner with each other and say, this is important work. I'm not real good at prayer. I'm not real good at much of this. But I am going to be steadfast and watchful in it because I believe Jesus is supreme. And so I'm not just going to come in and have my own circle of things to pray for. I'm going to begin to say, hey, how can I be steadfast and watchful in partnering with the people in this church and with our workers, our missionaries that are in Bosnia? I'm going to begin to, I want to be, I want to pray together. And show that Jesus is supreme. That's what gospel partnership looks like. The second way that we partner together in gospel work is we focus outward together because we want to show that Jesus is supreme. What he says is in verse 5 and 6, he says, Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. It's this outward focus that says, you know what? What happens in my own personal life, what happens in the walls of our church, what happens in our family, what happens in the evangelical world is actually not my focus My focus is to join together and look and see these outsiders need to hear the good news of Jesus. And so I'm going to conduct myself wisely because my focus is not here and what I want and how I think things should go, but how do we make sure that the people around us get to hear and experience the good news that we've gotten to hear and experience? It is this intentional change from partnership to make the church good or to make my life good to begin to go, I am going to be way wise in the way that I act toward outsiders. Making the most of every opportunity. He calls them to, to use words and to, to let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's this call to begin to say, you know what? I don't have just one canned expression of the gospel. I don't have one answer for everything and for every person. I instead want to begin to see people with the eyes of Jesus. This person is going to need a different response than somebody else's. God, can I be in tune with your spirit enough? Can I be intentional enough that one neighbor gets to hear and experience the good news of Jesus specifically for him? And then the other neighbor gets to hear and experience it specifically for her. This, this call to us is to begin to look at our town, our towns, our communities, begin to look at Cascade, begin to look at Bosnia with the Bosnians and the Croats and the Serbs and say, God, how do we make the most of every opportunity? How do our words get to breathe life into people's lives? And so what Paul's asking them in gospel partnership to do is to focus outward like a servant, our world, And our hearts tell us, maximize yourself. Figure out how to maximize the most about you. And this passage says, no, this is actually not about you. Gospel partnership is being to look around and say, look at these people. How can I be a part of what God is doing in their their lives? Instead of beginning to walk through the world saying, what do I want? Beginning to say, what do they need? What does the world need? And how can I be a part of being a blessing in each one of those places? That's what gospel partnership looks like. Focusing outward together. Because we want to show Jesus is supreme. Philippians 2 gives us this picture of what these verses begin to look like. Philippians chapter 2. Again, Paul's in prison. 
Paul doesn't know how things are going to turn out. But he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, something to be clutched, to be grasped, to never be let go of, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This, this passage illustrates it and is an example of what it means to begin to live the life of a servant with an outward focus. And But what we find is that we're actually the ones being served. That Jesus did not consider his place something to never be let go of because it was too special, but instead let go of it and used it for your advantage and mine. And so now he's called us to focus outward together because we want the world to know this supreme Jesus who's supreme over every square inch of our lives and every square inch of reality. And so, will you and will I join Paul and join the church in Colossians and join the church throughout the ages and pay attention to what we can give, not what we can get? Will, will we begin to pay attention and say, these outsiders, they, they have to know and hear and experience the good news of Jesus or we're wasting our time? Will we begin to pay attention to the outsiders among us the outsiders in our community and say, Jesus, we want you to be supreme here. We want you to be supreme in Cascade. That's why we care about this. And so we're going to focus outward together, not on our own. And then the third way that we partner in gospel work is we champion each other because Jesus is supreme. We champion each other because Jesus is supreme. I told you that the end of the letter, I was like, what are we going to do with the end of a letter? It's name after name, person after person. What does this have to do with six-year-olds in Belgium Community Church in 2020? What does this have to do with 25-year-olds in Belgium in 2020? What does this have to do with a, a retired couple in 2020? What I want you to notice is that Paul is a champion of all of these people in his life. Listen to the kinds of things that he says about people. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening there. Oh, Tychicus is a dear brother. Onesimus, he's a dear brother. Sometimes we can kind of miss that detail that Onesimus is the runaway slave that comes to Christ, serves Paul, and as Paul is sending this letter to Colossians, the, the master who had been wronged by Onesimus would listen and read this letter. And he says he's a dear brother, just like Tychicus. He says, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Mark is the one that deserted Paul. Paul and Barnabas split up and went different ways because Paul was so upset at what Mark had done. But he says, welcome him. Welcome Mark. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my coworkers for the kingdom of God. And they have proved a comfort to me. 
Epaphras, he's one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He all, he's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you. And those at Laodicea and Heropolis, oh, I'm so proud of Epaphras. Man, Epaphras is so, so hardworking in the gospel, and he loves you guys. You should be proud of Epaphras. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea. That's a church about 10 miles away. And to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church at Laodicea and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul is a champion of all of these people in his life. He says, oh, what a dear brother. Oh, this guy's a dear brother. This guy has been so useful to me. This guy has been such a comfort and encouragement to me. You should be proud of him. Paul is a champion. He's thankful. Remember, he's in house arrest in Rome, doesn't know how things are going to turn out. And instead of saying, woe is me. Oh, I can't do anything. He begins to say, look at all of these guys doing good gospel work. Oh, I want to be a champion of them. He's, Paul, instead of saying, oh, here I am alone, which I don't know if you're like me, but it's so easy when things get hard, is to say I'm all alone and nobody is here to help me. But Paul says, no, I'm not alone, even though I'm in chains because Epaphras is working hard. Paul is constantly encouraging the people around him, guys like Onesimus who've run away, guys like Mark who have blown it, treacherous, who've run away and left him and abandoned him. Paul's like, oh no, these guys can get second chances because I've had second and third chances. Paul gives each one of them this identity, dear brother, dear sister. Oh, I love them. I love them. Paul has a ministry focus so that even if he's in prison, he becomes a champion of these other people and their ministries. And I want to draw your attention to the fact that these things can only be true if Jesus is supreme. Jesus, these things can only be true if Jesus is supreme. And, and Paul is like, Jesus is overall. And whether he's using me right now, or he's using Epaphras, or Tychicus, or Demas, or Mark, any of these guys, if Jesus is supreme, then I'm going to champion the work that he's doing through them. Because it doesn't have to be with the things that happen at my hand. Ecclesiastes 4.12 say, when, says that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. You can make a string or a rope of one strand or two strands, but it can be broken. But once you put those three together, they are more powerful together. And so Paul says, how is my ministry going to advance from 20 people into Colossians to however many people are gathered with us and around the world in 2020? How are you going to get from here to there? It's going to be because I'm going to champion Tychicus, and I'm going to champion Onesimus, and I'm going to Aristarchus, and I'm going to charge Archippus to do his work and to keep at it and don't give up this passage. Paul is saying it is partnership that will make the gospel go forward. None of us can do it alone. And so will you? Will I champion the work that God is doing in others? Will we become known as the cheerleaders of, oh, look at what God is doing. Look at what God is doing. Dan and Megan, look at what God is doing in Becky and in John and in Nancy. Will we begin to look around and say, look at what God is doing in Brad. God, I want to be the cheerleader of look at what God is doing, even if it's not done in my hands. 
Will we become champions of each other because Jesus is supreme and we don't have to be? This passage, on some level, is is supposed to stir our blood and say, oh, this is what the Christian life looks like. But on another level, it's supposed to show us all of the ways that we fall short. I read verses 1 through 4, and quite honestly, I fret more than I pray. I worry about the future and about how things are going to play out more than I pray. And so where is the good news for somebody like me that doesn't declare the supremacy of Jesus, but instead worries and frets? Where is the good news in this passage for somebody like you and like me who focus inward at ourselves and our own gifts and our own abilities and how we want things to turn out more than we focus outward on how outsiders are hearing and experience the good news of Jesus? Where is the good news for people like you and I who champion ourselves and our own abilities and our own successes more than we champion the successes and the abilities and the giftedness of others? Where where is the good news in this passage for people like you and I? The good news in this passage for people like you and I is that even though this passage condemns us, those that are in Christ are not condemned because Jesus is the one that morning after morning withdrew privately to pray to his Father but died with you and I's record. Jesus is the one who is constantly focused on how do I say the right word to Simon and to the woman, the sinful woman washing my feet. Jesus is the one who was constantly fine-tuning the things that he was saying just to the person who needed to hear hope. And yet he died in your place and in my place. Jesus is the one who, while hanging from the cross, told the thief, you will be with me in paradise one day, championing the work of God in that man as he came to repentance and faith. Jesus is the one who lived the way that we, this passage calls us to live and died the judgment that you and I should face for not fulfilling this passage. So then you and I get the record of Jesus. We get the identity of somebody who has done all of these things perfectly. And then we get his Holy Spirit living in us giving us the power to pray and to focus outward and to champion the work of one another because Jesus is supreme. Some of you, this is a promise for you. This is mine, my record, my identity. This is my power. But some here today need to hear this is not your record. This is not your identity. This is not your power because you have never come to Jesus. You have never come to Jesus in repentance and faith. The story of the Bible says that God made the world and he made it good, and he put humans in it and said, you will live under me, under my rule, with my rules, as little kings under me. And then he said, it is very good. But Adam and Eve and every person, including you and I, said, no, we will not live with your rules. We will live our own way. And so the Bible says that God cast Adam and Eve out of the garden, condemning Adam and Eve and everybody after them to death in this life, And separation from God forever. Some of us have spent our lives trying to earn our way back. And this passage and the story of the Bible says, no, stop trying to earn your way back. Instead, come and take Jesus. Jesus came and lived the life that we should live and died the death that we should die so that all who turn away from sin, including the sin of trying to please God on our own, and take Jesus alone, 
actually become welcome with God. And so Jesus is supreme and he gives us his record of prayer and outward focus and championing others. He gives us the identity of not just a citizen of the kingdom, but of a son of the king. And he gives us the power to begin to partner in gospel work so that if Jesus tarries, more and more people will hear and experience the gospel through us and through each other. For some of you, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to repent of sin and trust in Christ alone to save you. To stop trying to please God on your own and say, okay, Jesus, I will take you only. The story is that simple, but if you have questions, if this is, you're like, this is the day I want this for me, grab me at the end of the service. Meals can wait. This can't wait. This is too important. Today is the day of salvation for some people to take Jesus and for the rest of us to begin to partner in gospel work and say, Jesus is supreme, so I'm going to pray. Jesus is supreme, so I'm going to pay more attention to outsiders than to myself. I'm going to, Jesus is supreme, so I'm going to champion the work of God in the people around me. Imagine what that begins to do. Imagine what that begins to do in a family. Whether you're single, whether it's a family, a small family, whether it's a large family, retired, newly started. Imagine what begins to happen when the whole family is actually paying more attention to what God is doing in those around me than what I want to get done in my life. Imagine what begins to change as that is a house that begins radiating the love of Jesus to extended family, to a block, to a community. Imagine what begins to change when a church begins to have that identity of we are partnering together, championing each other, praying for each other, focusing outward together because Jesus is supreme. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your good words. We thank you that you came to us, that you gave yourself, serving not yourself, but serving us, so that we could be a part of your kingdom. So then we can be a part of radiating that kingdom into the world. In Jesus' name, amen. There is not a square inch in the world domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine.